0: Hey Blue,
1: we are the Baseball Umpires Podcast for umpires by an umpire. We're more than just balls and strikes and outs and safes. Listen in for tips, rule interpretations, equipment and attire reviews, interviews with umpires of all levels, and some funny stories that might come up every time out on a baseball field. If you're new to the field as an umpire or a seasoned vet in the world of umpiring, then this is the podcast for you. Hey Blue, the Umpire Podcast our fourteen twenty Sports Bar group of podcasts on the Belly Up Network, you're listening to episode four of Hey Blue and Umpires podcast for umpires by an umpire. Tonight, I'm joined by Matt Ben. Uh, we're going to chat about players transitioning into umpires, how how it all goes about. Because we uh, we last week we were belly aching about uh, how to recruit guys and get guys into the game. We thought, well, get get some players in. It's a really hard thing to do, Matt uh this uh I'll better get the uh, sponsors out of the way first this uh, episode is brought to you by SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com use promo code 1420pod at SeatGeek.com today Matt how you doing my friend good how are you i'm doing good i did a little re- we we uh we travel on the road a lot together during the summertime we sit in the dressing room together We're on the field a lot together i did a little research we never actually talk about anything that's actually important in people's lives we we laugh and joke but everything else you're from the uh, booming metropolis of toulon manitoba
2: that's where exactly right is toulon manitoba uh if you uh know where winnipeg is and those that's pretty much where um Anyone who knows anything about Manitoba knows where Winnipeg is, so it's easy to describe from there. You go half hour straight north on Highway Number 7, and uh, the highway runs right through town, about 1,000 people in town, and then, you know, we have a pretty big rural farming uh, population, so about 1,500 people. It was, uh, yeah, it was a a good place to grow up for me and my brother, Um, you know, lived on the farm, and um, yeah, it was a small town, so.
1: My dad's originally from the bertle beulah area uh west of Brandon. There's a little, little town there that's where so that's kind of where the Redlinskys uh came from. Uh you uh went to the uh, vaunted Vauxhall Academy here in Southern Alberta. Uh went on to a college career. What was it like playing in Vauxhall under the tutelage of guys like uh Les McTavish and uh we talked and, and Jim Coca's there there in in Vauxhall. And actually how did you end up in Vauxhall of all places in the world?
2: Um, well, growing up, um, you know, I started playing baseball year round when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, kind of the opposite of what people say to do nowadays, but we started a year round when I was 12 and my coach growing up, he kind of always said, you know, if you want to play baseball, real baseball year round, you got to go south. So, um, the goal for me was always go to the U S and, uh, for me going to the U S meant going to Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, where I could play year round because, it seemed at that point uh that was where all the good ball players were coming from so um the best chance for me to do that was to go to Vauxhall um my underage year of canada cup so i would have been 16 played with 17 year olds i played with team manitoba uh had a good tournament um less coach les was uh, also helping pick for uh the junior national team of that tournament in kindersley saskatchewan talk about small town um <laughs> we were out there played and i had it was a nice really
1: time of year i heard yeah Yeah.
2: so uh, I had a really good tournament as a as a 16 year old kid you know playing against guys that were all pretty much a year older than me um we as Manitoba uh traditionally were not uh in the top as far as uh competing you know with the Albertas and the BCs and the Ontarios but we showed up pretty good um and then I just remember we were driving home um I uh you know, was happy with the tournament and Les had talked to us a little bit, me and my parents about maybe the possibility of it. Uh, And, you know, luck, as luck would have it, one of the guys from Vauxhall that they had recruited to come play that year would have been 2011. He backed out. Um, He actually ended up going home. So that opened up a spot. And at that time I was still kind of catching and playing third base. So um, it worked and Les called and I literally, I, started school at home in September. And two weeks later, I was in Vauxhall, um, going to school and playing ball, um, Played there for two years. And, you know, for me, like I said before, going down South to play baseball in college in the South of the South was always the goal. And, and uh, going to Vauxhall opened up those kinds of doors for me. So. Um,
1: I've known less for uh, longer than I care to, to, to remember. And, 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 uh Jim Cocus as well. I've known those guys for a, a long, long time, and yeah. uh, neither guy uh, has ever been confrontational with umpires in, in my dealings with those guys at all. They they, they kind of get it. They 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 they're easy to get along with. Uh, less is the more talkative of the two. Mm-hmm. Jim is almost anti-social when it comes to umpires. Yeah. Is there something you learned as a player when you were playing for those two? That made sense of what how to deal with umpires.
2: Um, for me, growing up, um, you know, from when I was young until I was eighteen, going to college, um, it was still kind of taboo for players to talk to umpires. It wasn't like you know, like unless there was something way happened that way it was way off the map. You don't you don't talk to the umpire. You don't question the umpire it's, it's a more of a respect. Thing. I miss
1: those days. Uh, yeah. I, well,
2: again, we've talked <laughs> about this, we've talked about this on road trips still, but the biggest thing that I learned from less and Jim was that they don't say anything unless like, if they were to say something to an umpire, that umpire knew that he fucked up. You know what I mean? Like if, if they were, if it was to the point where they were going to actually come out and say something to you, that means you did something wrong. So for me, you know, if there's the judgment calls that we talk about in our clinics and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you can't argue those. But when it's rules and, and that kind of stuff that are are white, are black and white, then you have to be able to, um, you know, make that decision as an umpire. So might have to, might have to Sutton join us here for a minute, but she should be quiet. So
1: that's fine. And then your playing career afterward took you south to uh, Colby Community College and to Northwest Oklahoma State. What was your biggest the biggest change in umpiring that you saw when you're playing in Canada, Manitoba, then in Alberta, uh, Southern Alberta for Vauxhall. And then you go to, uh, uh, these NCAA schools. What was your biggest change in your eyes? What you saw with umpires and how things, um, how things were just a little bit different. I'm not saying better, but just different. Yeah.
2: Um, for me, the attitude that the umpires had, I think was, uh, was, was much different. Um, and the way that they conducted themselves on the field. Uh, I think we're starting to get to that point, especially with the guys in our in our upper echelon of, of guys. But, um, you know, we had guys in Southern Alberta here that they were just there because there was no one else type of thing at that point, right? But when you started going to college, those guys were recruited. They had been through the ranks and they were there for a reason. And just the professionalism, um, the way they conducted themselves in the field, um, was the biggest thing for me. And then one of the other things I learned when I was down South is, you know, an umpire was good because no one talked about the umpiring after the game. And that's what I'm trying to do as far as being an umpire now is the less problems I have, usually the better the game went. And if no one's talking about the umpires, that means that the game probably
1: went pretty smooth. So, yeah, uh, like you, you, me, and you've done games in Medicine Hat together, and doing the walk of the walk of fame or the walk of shame, I guess, to, through the crowd after the game is is all said and done, can say a lot of how your game went because either you're uh, you get a lot of a lot of uh, Bud Light umpires in seventh, eighth inning, and then you're walking from the field to the the dressing room. They got to build a tunnel there for us, I think, in my opinion. But there's got to be something done. You, you walk through there, and it can be a it can be a dicey little walk. Once you got done your playing days and you, and you said, that's it, I'm done. I'm, I can't go any further. This is it. What made you think and what made you think I should give this umpiring thing, thing a shot? And, and why Why? Why did you finally decide to do it? Are you thinking of going to a game or a concert in the coming days ahead? Or do you already have tickets and want to upgrade where you're sitting? It's simple. Go to SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. They have tickets for all sports going on right now, as well as concert tickets to shows throughout North America. And to make things even better, use promo code 1420 pod. That's one four-two zero pod and receive twenty bucks off your first purchase. Once again, that's promo code fourteen twenty pod at seatgeek.com or the SeatGeek app. Well
2: originally I wanted to coach when I was done. You know, they say As they all as all players they, do. The yeah. guys that can't play coach, right type of thing. So Uh, that's what I wanted to do originally. Um, and I wanted to stay in the U S but didn't work out. So, you know, baseball was off of my mind for a long time. So a couple years in, I got back into officiating hockey, um, realized that there might be some little bit of a cash thing for me on the side. So the original want to get back in was just to make a little extra cash. Um, I contacted the late great Mitch ball, as you know, and you have talked about on this show. Um, he got me in, uh, to my first clinic who was in colddale at the school, um, you know, kind of gave me the ins and outs of where to go with equipment, what kind of shirts, what kind of pants, that kind of thing. And and for me, it was uh it was an all out or an all-in thing. So um for me, I didn't I told Mitch this and it, and it was selfish at the time, I guess looking back, but you know, I didn't want to do the Little League stuff. I didn't want to do the mosquito, the bantam stuff. I wanted to jump right in. Because, number one, I think I had an upper hand because I played. Um, I don't know. Like, I I always compare it to the the NHL or hockey now. You know, a lot of the guys that are moving up into the pro ranks, they're all guys who played at a very high level. So, major, junior, AHL, you know, overseas. And I think um, as far as an official or a referee or an umpire in, in any sport, if you have some knowledge of the game at a high level, it's easy to make that transition. So for me, um, you know, umpiring was was uh, something I wanted to do. I didn't want to coach. I didn't want to spend my nights every night, you know, coaching 12 year old kids that didn't listen to me and their parents thought they were going to the show. And that wasn't for me. I wanted someone to pay me to be there for a couple hours. Um, and I want, and I knew, I figured I would probably be okay at it and I would move up fast. And, and uh, just like what I do now for work, um, the biggest thing for me also when i quit was giving back um you know all the people that did uh the umpiring for me as a player you know did all the field work all that kind of stuff um as soon as i was done playing and realized you know the dream is over and, and you got to actually start working um the goal for me was to start giving back to the people that did it for me whether that was coaching umpiring working on the field field maintenance that kind of stuff and and for me umpiring was kind of the niche that i fit into and uh I mean, so far I've been, I guess, pretty successful. Um, you know, I've been in the WCBL, which is probably the best baseball I'll ever do that we do. Um, this would be my going into my third year and I've only been a really umpiring for five total. So um I guess I'm still a very inexperienced guy in comparison to our elder statesmen like yourself and Olberg, but um <laughs> we uh we all get along good and uh I think for me it's It's less about the money now and more about, you know, just being available to give back to all the people that gave to me when I was playing. That's
1: one of the things that I don't understand about, about, uh, trying to recruit guys and get guys into the game and everything else for guys and girls actually is to, to try to get people involved in it that to to give back to it because we, we forget about a lot of people that did a lot of stuff for free, like actually for free for a long time. I remember when I first got into this, uh, geez, I'm man, I'm old. When I first got into this uh, back in 1993 or 94, Um, When I first started taking it a little bit seriously, there was guys that were volunteering to to umpire games across my parents house in Fort McLeod, and they were doing it for free because they just thought, you know, my kid wants to play, we need umpires. And I think that that's a, a thing that's been lost for, for, for baseball in our area. And I think it's right across North America is that people are a tad bit selfish when it comes to and and forgetting where they came from and forgetting how the game grew and everything else cuz in little league baseball you don't get paid like it's no. a thing it's a volunteer thing and people forget that you have to have umpires to to have baseball games yeah. And if your kid is playing a baseball game, uh, it's, it's a much better better product when there's an umpire. Whether yeah. right or wrong or indifferent, it's very important. And I think that's a big thing that's, that's missed is the selfishness of, of not, I, I don't want to say parents, I want to say of ex-players to try to stay in the game. And and give back to something that they, a lot of them, like a lot of kids nowadays compared to what it was uh, 20, 30 years ago, a lot of kids get more opportunities now to go south like yourself and, and play baseball. And when you're playing, days are over and it's the way to stay in the game uh, the, in the game that we, we both love. And a lot of pl- players just go, ah, I'm not doing it.
2: Yeah. It's, the, it's the, the nostalgia, right? You know, it's, okay. it's the nostalgia of being an umpire. That's kind of a non-cool thing. And I know you've talked about it in, in previous uh, Hey Blue podcast, you know, just to get us going here. But um, for me, it's not about being cool. Uh, it's not about making money. Um, like I said before, it's mainly just to stay involved in the game and give back um, because I think
0: that, um,
2: Especially as a former player, you do have kind of an inclination of what's happening, um, and you should know the rules. So it should be an easy transition. And and I wish the nostalgia wasn't uh, wasn't so negative.
1: Let's get into that right now because everybody says I played or I watched or I did this and I did that. We've had guys in our clinic who and and they've that that. so well, I've been around baseball for X amount of years. We've had, I've done this for X amount of years and they, they struggle with this or that a, a, a few things here and there. Once you got rid of your, your, um, your, your, uh, your back catching pads and everything else, and you put on the umpire pads, you got it on the field. What was the hardest transition for you X amount of years later? What was the toughest part for you to go
2: from player to umpire? Well, two things. Number one, uh, and Mr. Olberg gives me crap for this is uh, just being, first of all, still knowing people in the game as far as coaches go. And number two, being uh, friendly with the players. Uh, I still kind of struggle with that line. Um, For me, it's all about building relationships because as you know, we see the same teams, the same players, same coaches all summer. So for me, I'd rather have a build a positive relationship with that player or that coach so that when things do go sideways and they want to get mad, they might not take it easy on me, but, you know, they don't uh, turn on a dime. Uh, Second of all was plate work. Uh, For me, you know, being a catcher and being an umpire behind the plate are very, very different Uh, angles, sight lines, that kind of thing. Uh, I still think for me, the hardest thing is calling a, a low outside pitch on a right-handed batter that part reason, of the play doesn't exist don't worry about it <laughs> for left-handed <laughs> batters for, for left-handed batters, some reason i see it a little better or at least i think i do i don't know ask some players probably don't think so but um the right-handed the lower outside pitch for a right-handed batter that's still very uh difficult for me to see and and i and i the biggest thing i learned too is you know we can go to all these clinics and we can have our supervisors and evaluators but for me, the biggest thing is watching the guys that are doing it for a professional at a professional level, and uh, she's getting excited at a professional level and learning from them. You know, and they might necessarily, not necessarily do everything by the book, but they're there for a reason, and the way that they're doing it is is the best in the world. So why not try to watch games and and learn from them? That's one thing, Matt, that I think that you do—you do well out there. You're on the field, and you—you you find out
1: there there's a. I mean, we're both we're both talkative guys on the field. Maybe you a little more than me. I there's times where I'm just so mad I don't even want to talk to anybody. I don't even say out when when the guy's out. Like but, your
2: uh, uh, like your injection, we talked into. we we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, <laughs> and we'll get that in a little bit here.
1: But there, there's uh, there's times where I think that that's one thing that you do quite well is that you do have a camaraderie with players and, and with coaches, you take it a little far sometimes, but there's times where, where, where it turns out pretty great and it can, it has a calming com- influence on, on the game. Cause I've said this before that when everybody's just mad out there, and that's what I, I seen when I first came back um, after my, my long hiatus, Everybody seemed to be mad all the time out in the field and there was always something to be proven and I didn't understand that because at the end of the day it's it's just a game and but there there seemed to be a lot of anger and and frustration between players and 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 umpires and I didn't really understand that and cuz it's a big picture the game it's 54 outs and the game's over or yeah. 51 outs sometimes or whatever it is and the, the frustration and the anger that was happening between players and umpires was a big thing. I think you do that quite well. Yes, me and you do chat a little bit more than maybe we should sometimes, but I don't think that's a bad thing because th- there's guys like um like Jake from Brooks this summer, fantastic guy. He and he was asking questions about what what was going on because he wanted to, to know the ins and outs of of baseball as well because he's learning as well. Like at the amateur level, like like we are, I and mean, we pre- we pretend we're professionals. And but big big the big picture we're we are amateur umpires and we're all learning learning the game as it is um and the being more congenial to people and learning things like you you just said you didn't know the rules of the game as uh, either but now that you're umpiring you know the game a little bit better and you know the rules a bit better cuz players and coaches don't know the rules very well they don't. No. So if, if, as umpires, because that's our job is to know the rules and to explain the rules to these guys instead of just yelling all the time. I think that's very important to, to, to keep the game going.
2: And, you know, for me, like those those small conversations between pitches, you know, whether it's a rule, whether it's just getting to know the guy's first name, you know, where do you play? The school you go to. I think for me, as a player, you know, if an umpire was to reach out to me, that to me, that means the umpire cares. And the biggest thing that i think the players think and the coaches think is that the umpire doesn't care and he doesn't want to be here and and i think that just alone causes a lot of issues um so just having those small conversations between pitches between outs between innings um it just shows that you're that you care you want to be there and you know you just want the game to go well and the summer to go well for
1: these guys. We talk about a lot during our clinics how a lot of umpiring is can be perceived as smoke and mirrors, and that's one thing that you you hit the nail on the head right there. Is that you, you pre- pretend you want to like there's nights. Down, let's let's not sugarcoat this. There's nights you don't want to be there, but you go out and you do it and you make the best. We we talked we've talked a lot over the over the years, Matt, that we've been doing games together. That once you when you're You're in the afternoon. You got your job. You got things going on. Wife, family, this and that. Podcasts, whatever's going on. And you, the the last thing you want to do is go umpire a baseball game. And you, you almost talk yourself out of it. But once you're there, it's fine. It's the thought of going. A lot of times that that really stinks for. For me, but once I'm there, I'm good, putting my stuff on, having a laugh, blah, blah, blah. And then once the game's on, you see if you warm up pitches and and you, you get into it and, and and you're good to go. It's that's the biggest thing is showing the and like you said, showing that you want to be there and and letting the coaches and players know that you're you're interested because um They'll pick up on that quickly, and and that and as a, as next player, you probably knew that, and and when, when you were a catcher, you probably knew, and you probably heard umpires saying stuff in your ear, like, oh, I can't believe I'm here, it's fifty above, and blah blah blah.
2: Yeah, yeah, especially the hot days, you know, it, it, it does get pretty warm when you're back there at the plate, but, um, you know, in my five years, like, I and I, think, I hopefully I lead into our ejection uh, story, missing that, but you know, five years I haven't had an ejection, and.
0: We'll get to it. We'll get to
2: it. (laughs) Whether that speaks into me being good or bad, that's that's indifferent. Um, I just think that if I can create those relationships, like I said, with the players and with the coaches, you know, between innings and and just small talk, you know, it doesn't have to be prolonged every inning, every pitch, every out, you know, because then then like you said, you are getting too friendly and like we we try to avoid. But if we can just have small bits where we maybe we have to explain a rule uh, and. And that kind of stuff. And just your timing, too. You know, I think being a player, that helps me out a lot um, as far as knowing, you know, when should I say something to this guy? Because I know that, that, you know, if I miss a pitch and and it's his pitch, his team is playing defense and I miss a third strike call and the guy gets a base hit on the next pitch, that's not going to be a time when I want to turn to that dugout. Because he's going to be pissed off and just, you know, just having that game knowledge, I think it's helped me tremendously. And, and, you know, even more than positioning and rules and all that kind of stuff, especially when you get to, you know, a level that we're, that we're doing consistency like WCBL.
1: What was the toughest part of your transition? Do you think to go from being a player to being an umpire, what's been the toughest part, the, the toughest transition? And what do you think, uh, you would have done differently or you would have seeked out looking back your your five years since you 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 put the glove away
2: for me the it's an easy answer it's rules you know i grew i was playing at a a college division two ncw level and i thought i knew the rules and then you get into umpiring you start opening up the rule book and you go through it and and it's like oh wow like i really didn't have a clue and uh you know explaining that to coaches and other players isn't, isn't doesn't usually go over very well but for me it was it was a very humbling experience because you know maybe the I only ever got thrown out of one game uh, and it was a senior game in Manitoba and I thought I was a bad third strike call I didn't want to be there anymore but anyways that's for another story but uh I you know I never you really can thrown out of
1: a senior <laughs> game that's a whole nother level of nozzle
2: yeah, I was like, I, I was 16 years old, and I was playing for our senior Toulon team, and we ended up. It was in the playoffs. I, I let me guess. The
1: Tulon Braves. Oh, Toulon Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals. Okay. Tulon Cardinals. Yeah. I just assumed. I shouldn't assume.
2: So, yeah, I. Uh, some of the old guys, they 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 didn't want to catch anymore, and that was when I was still catching, and I was still young, so they put me behind the plate. I was the youngest guy in the league by probably 15 years, and uh, I umpire that. I I grew up playing with. The, Call, he rung me up for a third strike, and you know I didn't draw a line, but I I went over I went over the line by what I said, and he kicked me out. And that was literally the only time I ever got kicked out. Uh, I didn't I didn't say anything to umpires, you know that's that wasn't my job, and and I understood that. But um yeah, that's that's the only time I've ever been ejected from a game. But uh yeah, like for me, it's the rule knowledge, and then applying the rules when stuff happens. You know, we have, I was at a valuation tournament here for baseball bar- provincials, and up in Olds and we had a situation with a runner on first base. Uh, and he, uh, there was a line drive, the shortstop. I was at U2 or sorry, U3 and uh, shortstop catches the ball. And the guy had taken off because it was a line drive. Shortstop throws the ball to first base, overthrows the base, ball goes out of play. Um, Start playing dodgeball and yeah, the whole and, bit. Yeah. So as we know now, that is a two base award. Uh, and we talked about it as, as a three, three person crew and, and we got it wrong. And, uh, you know, I, in the moment I was like, oh no, one base award, one base award. So we put the runner on second and, you know, no one said anything because the coaches sure didn't know the rules for sure. And the players don't know. So they were just happy they got a base. But, time of uh, throw, time of this, time of the, yeah, it's a thing. Right. Like it's. So, uh, after, after the game, of course we got evaluated and, and, you know, the, the guys said, or the, our evaluator said, you know who made that decision. And I said, I did, you know, I, I thought I was right. And, and clearly I was wrong. Uh, it was a two base award, but you know, it didn't affect anything in the game and, and we got through it, but uh, for sure, knowing the rules and then, and then applying them to the game when, uh, when it happens. So. It's a lot
1: because you, you, you see a lot of things happen throughout a game. And like I, like I said before on, on, on Hey blue, the umpire podcast is that you, you can call a game from the 54th row of Yankee stadium and, and, Balls and strikes and outs and safes, and the game goes by. Yeah. It takes one stupid play by a player to boot something here, and they're playing dodgeball with each other. The ball's going here, ball's going there, and like, and then all hell can break loose. And you, and you have to know right away and how it works out. And it's, it, it's crazy how that can work out. And Deanne, she, it, it boggles. She's actually going to be a very good umpire. I think one day she l- listens to me talk about the stupid thing so much. It's going to be quite fantastic when she gets out there. Uh, she's told me she's going to, whether she does or not, I don't know. I think hey, she just, by says all stuff. means. I think she just says stuff. So I'll shut up. <laughs> I podcast, so I talk a lot, but anyways, do you looking back, um, Like like I said, you're in your fifth year. Uh, Did you think and do you feel now there's enough opportunity was given to you to learn it, to do it the proper way? Or were you just thrown to the wolves? Because I I know what happens throughout baseball. Like in here in San Alberto, we throw guys in in, or guys and girls. We throw people in situations they probably shouldn't because we need bodies. Do you think that you were maybe fast-tracked a little bit or maybe weren't giving in, given enough knowledge, you, you were given a weekend clinic or a Saturday morning or whatever it was. I don't even know. Like, do you think you, you were maybe thrown to the wolves a little bit?
2: Yeah, definitely. Looking back now, you know, like I said, my, my first game was a double A Legion game and I never set foot on a baseball field. So did I, was like qualified. Did I know what I was doing. No, but I just went off of baseball knowledge, what I've watched on TV before and what I've seen at other games. Um, and I, I'll never forget, actually, Mitch Ball, he told me that, you know, you're going to do this game or whatever, and I'm going to come watch. And I don't know who it was, maybe maybe Daryl or maybe Ron, whoever it was with. And uh, he was on the plate, and I was on the bases. And, and uh, you know, it was a doubleheader, so, of course, we switch after the first game. And we're sitting in the room between games, and we're getting ready. And, and you know, Mitch said, don't worry about what you got wrong, but we're going to talk about what you did right today. And for me that was huge because you know we could have sat there for hours on the things that I didn't do right as far building as building blocks, positive
1: reinforcement that's, yeah, that's right. a big as thing as far as
2: as far as positioning or maybe else or saves and rule knowledge. but you know he told me that I was uh I've, number one I looked like an umpire which for me was a huge thing I didn't want to look like a dummy and number that's
1: two that's that is such a huge thing I remember when I was back in 1997 um I was doing I did some I did some uh, Pioneer League games back then and my stuff was here in Lethbridge and I was living in like my parents in Fort McLeod and I left my equipment here in Lethbridge and somebody needed umpire didn't show up across from my parents house and so i went and did the game whatever wearing shorts and stuff i had that was in there and uh i got bitched at like you wouldn't believe because i didn't look like an umpire because i was wearing shorts and 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 just the shin pads i didn't get anything wrong but people just were like who's this joker so it was quite funny that so looking the part is probably step number one that we really need to 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 tell people if you look the part, you'll play the part, and that's something we really, we really got to push out there for for young aspiring umpires.
2: For me, that's it's number one. You know, if if you don't look like you know what you're doing, chances are that game isn't going to go well for you. Because even if you make the right call, someone's going to be arguing because yeah. they think that you don't know what you're doing. And uh, you know, we preach that in the, in the clinics that we've been doing with the new guys. You know, you have to, we're, we're we're sending out the uh, she's being loud. She's, know, well, we're sending out websites and links for guys to go and buy their, buy the gear that we need them to have, um, and I think it's, it's going to make life a lot easier for guys. So, um, that was number one for me, and number two, like, um, yeah, like just not knowing whether I'm doing it right or wrong. You know, for me, that was huge to have Mitch there that first game. Um, you know, if he wasn't there, maybe Ron, Ron was going to help me out for sure. But you know, for me, him telling me that I think you could be good at this. Meant that I, for me, that meant I was committing to it, and um, you know, once I committed to it, and I, I started learning more and more and more, I think I just got better and better, and and you know, it set me up to do better games. I think my second year, we went to uh, single A Legion region Regionals in Medicine Hat, wherever it was, and and I ended up doing the plate. I ended up doing the plate for the final. So you know, for me, at that at the time, I didn't know that was a big accomplishment, you know, but now knowing that the plate, okay, all right. Now, knowing that the plate is the the biggest thing that you can get as far as a a assignment, you know, for me, looking back, that meant that Mitch believed that I would be able to do this at a high level. So and then now, you know, going to the WCBL, working with you and Brandon and, you know, Chris Hartley, Ron Shuchuk, who we've talked about before, you know, just learning more and more from the in the room from those guys has been uh, has been great for me. That's the one thing that I
1: think lacks, like the, the higher levels that we get and everything that, that gets to be done. Like I, I've kind of hit a, uh, I guess, an apex you could say of my umpiring career. And I, I, I'm not being, um, mad. I'm not mad about it. I'm not sad. I can just what it is. Uh, this is a uh, life got in the way for me for a lot of years. I was out of the game, and I, I enjoy being out there a lot and having a good time. And and I, I enjoy it. And I, I think I do the. the do a, a pretty decent uh, a decent job at a decent level the 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 thing that maybe we need to do at the uh, the level that we're at and a, and above is we don't get told if we're bad no like like look, yes there's fans who yell at us when they're, they're 19 bud lights deep in the in the 8th inning but in general yes the coach might say we're bad but we don't really have anybody saying you did this right you did that right there isn't enough um, people, evaluators at our level that tell us that we're doing it wrong, and then and so that that trickles down the whole way because you, when you get into minor baseball in southern Alberta, because that's, that's what we know and that's what we'll talk about, there's no evaluators on a daily basis going that way to say you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong. There is that the biggest problem that umpiring has. You think that there's just not enough instruction being done from day one to day 365.
2: Yeah. Well, like where I come from is, is, is where I'm coming from is we just don't have enough guys in general because the guys that are going to be doing the evaluations for us are on the field with us. You know what I mean? Like we can't afford to have a, keep a guy out of doing a game in order for him to come evaluate. So that just goes back to at the minor level is pushing this so that we can get more umpires coming up. So that way the guys like Ron Shuchuk, Brian Hodgson, Corey Davis, all the guys that we have here in Alberta, they can start going to games to supervise, not to umpire. And, uh, you know, we've kind of, the four of us, you, me, Brandon, and Tyler, as far as Sawa goes, you know, next year we're going to try to make a commitment to go watch some more games. Um, and, but we got to keep, but for us, the problem is, is the more games we watch, the less games we do. And no one's paying us to go evaluate games. So, that's another battle. Well, we no one's actually paying
1: us to do games either right now, but that's only a story
2: for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, like for me, it's just just not enough people, like period. And uh, whether, you know, whether that's recruiting guys or getting guys to come back or, you know, more on-field guys that you're working with, you know, like m- the, the most important game that I did this year was in Brooks. It was a 7-1 game. We did it an hour and 59 minutes. I worked third base with Ron Shuchuk and Brian Hodgson. And I learned more in, in the first inning of that game than I learned all year. And uh How so fill, fill me in. Well, there was just like, you know, I was I rushed. love this stuff. Like it's yeah, yeah, for sure. Like for me, I I was nervous, right? Like I was working with two, well, you know, in our Western Canada at least, they're kind of legends. Both of them, number one, are Manitoba guys. They umpired me growing up. And number two, you know, you know, Ron is on baseball Canada committee. Uh Brian's been doing it for a long, long time. So that was the first game I've ever worked with either of them. And I'm on third base. So of course I'm rabbit or whatever. And and I missed I think I think medicine hat went one, two, three the first inning, and then Medicine hat or uh Brooks put up like six in the bottom of the first. And I missed probably two rotations. Uh didn't go out on a fly ball, a lot of stuff. And and you know, whether I missed them because I was nervous or because I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) I the last place I was going because Ron was on the plate was to was talk to him at home, and I went out to, to behind second with Haji and and I said you know I fucked that up I fucked up three three different rotations there nothing happened in the game for like I didn't miss a call or nothing like that yeah. but just as far as like working as a team I didn't go to the right spot so uh, and I could tell Ron after the one. Uh, fly ball, and didn't go out. Ron's looking at me from home plate. He's got his arms up in the air. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, Ronnie gets
1: a little revved up over some yeah. pretty, pretty and, funny things sometimes. And you know, and he's, it, 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 he's, he's a good, like Ron's Ron's he's great. I love working yeah. games with Ron. I love talking with Ron. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. He, like I, I got back into it and I almost quit again because I just, there was a situation with a certain guy. I won't bring up his name ever again in my life because I'd rather slip my wrist and never talk to the guy again. But uh, no, Ron's great. Ron, he, like he knew relatives of mine from Manitoba. And so it, it, he kept me in the game and kept me going and doing something that I love to do. Uh, no, Ron, Ron's, a, and, that, and that's the thing is that we need to get younger guys. That's what I talked about on the last show is that we need to get younger guys. Working with experienced guys, not just as mentors, but as partners, yeah. Because 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 then guys will feel like they're 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 part of the game, and 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 they want to do it, and they, and it brings the coolness back into it, like you said earlier on. Being yeah. an umpire isn't cool. I'm not going to pretend that it is, but we can make it kind of cool. Like and yeah. and I think that's one thing that Ron does for me, is that it made it pretty cool to do it. And then Deanne, she she goes, she says, "It's great seeing that you're out there and you're part of the." part of the show and if we can teach kids to do that i think that that they're part of the show it, not just wcbl but if they can go on to other things
2: um i think that 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 adds to it well and for me in that situation where you know he was giving me the what the fuck are you doing yep. it, it wasn't it wasn't uh for me it wasn't like an attack on my feelings you know like it was more like hey i gotta pick my shit up Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't. Ron Ron shows tough love. You know, and that's fine. Like, you know, it's not tough. Like, it's not hard. Like, exactly. But but for me, that's how, well, I guess I was raised, which is is another tough for another day. But, you know, if we are going to put these young guys out there and they might get some tough love from the older guys, you can't take that to heart, man. You just, you know, you just have to be better, period. Because, this is what is expected of you going forwards, and if you can't do it, then you shouldn't be here. Period. And for me, you know that that was that was a big turning point in my year. And you know, i those those things that I messed up, those rotations and the the fly ball coverage I messed up. I'll never do that again. You know what I mean? Like that was a that was a a learning point in the summer for me. Like I, that's just never going to happen again. You know, it's ingrained in my mind now. So,
1: no, that's huge. And I, I was going to ask, like, just just that right there. Like we're talking about. Re- retaining guys and recruiting guys and and being out there and and helping people—that's the biggest thing we need to do. Uh, Matt, we, like we struggle with it here in, in Southern Alberta. We have 19 guys in in, in the uh, sawa Southern Alberta Umpire Association, and that 19 is actually 10. Um, what do you think? How? What? Why? Who knows? What the fuck? How across? It's not just Southern Alberta. I, I've talked about it on this show a lot. What do we got to do? And you're you're like, you've been involved in baseball for a lot longer than I have. I took a long time off of it. What has to happen for umpires to be retained for, to recruit umpires, to grow, to grow the umpiring thing. What do you think has got to be done as in, from a player's point of view, not an umpire's point of view, like go back eight years. What do you think umpires can do and umpire associations can do to recruit players to become umpires?
2: For me, it's money, um, which you've talked about on this party on this show. Um, we don't get paid enough. I think we get paid we get paid less than ten dollars an inning. You know what I'm saying? For a for a top and bottom half, it's less than ten dollars. So we're really making about five dollars an inning. Um, for the amount of slack that we catch um, and the amount of things that happen at these games, it's not nearly enough. So that's number one. I know I said earlier that I don't do it for the money, and that's still the case. But, you know, to keep to keep to retain the older guys that are getting a little bit, you know, bitter, you need to pay them in order to keep them coming back. Uh, and the number two is is mentoring. And I think um, as far as a province and and uh, country goes, um, we're doing a better job because it's now at the forefront. You know, back before it was all about your position. Do you and, think uh, do, do you actually over. think that I, I personally do? I, I disagree 100 yeah. percent. Well, that, I mean, for me, I like but that's I, fine. We, we can disagree. Yep, no, I mean, for sure. and I like I talked to it's a democracy. Strzok- it's not fucking whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: like, it's-
2: I like I've talked to Brandon Stracke, who who for our baseball bird is our provincial supervisor, and uh, you know, good guy. La- yeah, very good guy. Good umpire as well. Um, he showed me the numbers at a super clinic, or all of us at the super clinic, and the last two years, our mentorship. Uh, the guys that are actually recorded games that they supervised has went up 75%, you know? So from doing zero two years ago, now we're doing 400, 500. So to me, that means that it's getting better. You know what I mean? So I think as far as us in Southern Alberta, we might have to step up and not take so many games, especially me being a 28 year old umpire who's doing the hot, doing probably the highest level I'll ever do and still wants to be engaged in making sure we have enough umpires coming up so you know that's that i i take that as a as a challenge for myself uh, i know like i said you know some guys they're 60s 50s 40s 50s 60s they don't want to go to games unless they're doing them and and being a younger guy i understand that i get it 100 you know what i mean but uh for me i kind of take onus like me and cody and tyler and tyler's done a great job for the even the last year you know go to some of these games go on the field with these guys and uh and help them out because i think you know that's the only way we're going to keep them around so
1: i'm selfish that way too matt it's like I, I i like like i said i like being part of the show i like being part of wcbl i love it i like got to the all-star game this year and it was fantastic i was in the finals of the wcbl this year and 6,000 people and it was great. And I, yeah. so that's a selfish part of me that I kind of got to get away from and, and having my shiny shoes and the whole bit and being out there and be part of the show and think that I'm people are out there to watch me, which they aren't, but I, I think they are, but anyways, I, 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 I love it. And I, I love being out in the, out, out, in, out in the, in the, in the, in the big games and doing that and that therefore it kind of takes away from me going out to doing some mentoring and being around the fields and, and making sure that you know if there is a coach or two acting up that maybe I can give them a little tap in the shoulder and say hey man like you probably yeah. shouldn't be doing this and I think that's something that has to happen not just here in Lethbridge but right across uh, Canada and probably the United States as well where I've, I've heard some horror stories of how, how coaches and uh, parents and players are, are reacting to umpires because like you said we're 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 not getting compensated very well uh and if the only way to to make a person care more it's just it's, it's like work life in general yeah. if you want a person to care more you need to pay them just in their regular job as well like a, a first year apprentice compared to a journeyman in the construction world or whatever when they're getting paid more they care more and I think that that's the one of the biggest thing that has to happen throughout baseball and hockey. Like you said, you you also officiate. If you if you get paid more, you're going to care more.
2: That's right. And 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 you know, for me, like again, I think there's a big age gap. Forty plus, they want to do their games and they want to get paid and they want to get paid on time. And eighteen to twenty. That's me. Eighteen to twenty, it's exactly the same. So I think there's a big onus on guys like me and, like I said, Shrocky, Cody Nelson, Tyler, the guys that are the 20-somethings that can still do lots of games, but we should also be stepping out and helping out, too, because, you know, the, that, I'm not I'm not saying 40s old. Don't don't shoot me here, but uh 40, guys that are – Trust like, me, I'm
1: 48, and I got to hit
2: – Matt, two weeks ago or a week
1: and a half ago, whatever it was, I was at PBA against Vauxhall, whatever the hell it was – I have never been hit with baseballs that much in my life as I did that weekend. I took face, chest, arm, (laughs) nuts, like the whole bit for, for 70 bucks. I'm like, what the, and I was like, finally, I got hit in the arm and it hurt so bad. It it hurt. I, if there wasn't so many people there, I would have been crying. Like it was, it hurt. (laughs) It hurt a lot. I walked over to Hubka. I went, you fucking guys fucking suck. Fuck me. And I was just swearing. And Nick Gravel's face was like, oh, fuck, he's serious. Cause I joke oh, yeah. around out there. And, and Gravel's like, oh, yeah, he's he's a little upset. And I don't get too upset out there. No. And it hurt. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I said that. Yeah. And, like, and I did. And- I, I, I personally don't need to be out there. I should have probably given those games to other people to, to learn because it, it, it's fall ball, inner squad, whatever. But I like being out there. But being get getting beat up for like I said, 70 bucks, is it worth it?
2: That's right. Yeah. And and I think that's the attitude that, you know, I think throughout COVID, everyone said, Oh, I can go to the lake this this uh this week. T- yeah. Or uh maybe I can go maybe I'll just go to a ball game and I won't get shit on tonight. You know, that that's a lot more attractive for guys that are forty plus because you know, they don't want to get hit with baseballs. So they don't want to get yelled at. I hate getting and, hit with baseballs. And they, and they want to get paid on time. And that, which we which we know all too well, doesn't happen all the time. So, you know, like I said, the onus is on guys 20s, 30s to keep it going and be on the field. Positive things in the past
1: two years you've done. Uh, what do you like about umpiring? What, what do you like about umpiring? What don't you like about, about umpiring? What would you, Matt Ben, do... To change things
2: in the umpire world, uh, number one, the things I don't like, I think robo umps is a complete idiotic thing that we're going to do, and I think they're and it's inevitable they're going to do it. Uh, but they're taking the human portion out of the game. Once they bring replay into the wimble, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So so because I don't need to be told I'm wrong. Robo umps for me is is uh, is a ridiculous thing. As a player, you know we watched Jeff Nelson fuck up a, a, a game against it with the Jays. But still, that keeps the human element in the game, and I think that's a huge part of why the game is so great. Um, things that have went well, uh, you know, I've done did more did more games in WCBL this year. Um, getting into the uh, Baseball Canada National Program now, um, and uh, for me, it's just just do as many games as you can to mentor because um, the guy, the older guys, don't want to do it. And for mm-hmm. me, I'm in, I'm at a point in my life where. If I have my daughter with me and I can't necessarily be on the field, I can take her with me. We can watch the game together. I can help out. So um, for me, that's, that's a positive. And the other positive, and it goes for the same as hockey, and, and I think it should go for everything, is is the driving to the games with your partners. When you're learning more things about them, you're talking the game, and you're just involved. And and for me, that that's a huge um, part of being a team out there. Is, you know, we, we, if there was an ejection the night before, we can talk about it on the way to the game. Okay. And we know what happened and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even <laughs> if there's stuff going on in guys' personal lives, they're, they're feel open enough to talk about. Um, I think that's going to keep guys in the game too, because it shows that your teammate out there cares. And, and for me, that's a huge, huge thing.
1: So. What was that poor kid's name who didn't stand a chance for Moose Jaw with the, his, his dad's a batting coach for, I think Atlanta, no Cincinnati.
2: Oh yeah.
1: He's from Reg- the kid from Regina. What was his no Regina? Oh. What was his name? I don't
2: know. He's got real long hair. Yeah, And that
1: kid, that kid was, okay, let's get into this. Okay, hey, you've been, you've been itching to get into this since we started this podcast. Tonight, since We started recording. <laughs> I had my first ejection in a long time, like ever. Like I had one 25 years ago with a guy from Swift current, whatever. He was a dickhead. And I told him that and whatever, Anyways, I I've said it on, on this show on 1420 to my girlfriend, to my mom, to whoever wants to listen. I had a quick uh, a quick trigger that night. I probably didn't need to throw the guy out the way I, I did in the second down. inning of a game. I was a little bit quick, but there was a there was a reason behind it why I threw the guy out when I did.
2: Yeah, and I and I Matt, think we need to, give me,
1: I think we need to okay, just ahead. just let me finish. Okay, all right. I want to hear. Your your side of the story from the drive from Lethbridge to Medicine Hat, the dressing room situation, what happened during the game. Let's hear let's hear your version of what actually happened that night. Because there's three right. sides of every story, right? My right. side, yeah. your no, side, no, the
2: And I feel like I'm the most neutral because I didn't throw the guy out and I didn't say anything to you, so I think I'm neutral. But anyways, so uh we get into the car to go to Medicine Hat and I think it's like a maybe a Thursday night or Friday night when it's pretty clear to me that Brent doesn't want to go. That number one. <laughs> So he's already upset that we're going to Medicine App for a fourth time that week, whatever it was. Um, and uh and we started talking about um, you know, Brent coming back and, and not having any ejections. And and if you've done baseball in this area or had up umpire you, he's not afraid to tell you how he feels, um, whether that's about you or your decision or anything like that. And and I love him for it. I think it's a fantastic trait, and I think more guys should do it. Um, but so we're driving there, and Brent says, Well, I haven't had an ejection in 20 years. And I said, Okay, well, you just talked it into existence. So, whatever, we let it go, we let it go, we get to the field, and you could tell Brent's starting to get his gear on. So, his, his mind is starting to get more geared towards the game, and he's finally happy to be there. And I said, Well, oh, I get fast. dialed in. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were dialed. We were there an hour <laughs> and a half early. We were really dialed. So we get our stuff on and we're going out. And I said, I told our our was it uh, was it Levi that was with us. Yeah. And I told Levi because yeah, you were on third. Of, Levi was on first. Yeah. Brent walked out of the room first. I said, Levi, he's gonna have a bingo night for sure. <laughs> and we laughed about it or whatever. And so sure as shit, we go out there. And I'm I think there was I don't know. Regina's hitting first. So top of the first inning, and and I'm uh, I'm inside because there, there's a man on first base, and this this kid who's from Regina he's playing left field his dad was his coach. name oh man I can't remember but his dad's a hitting coach in the big leagues for a, for a major league team so anyways we didn't know that at the time <laughs> but uh we go in and, and there's a couple there's I don't know strike one strike two and and strike two is maybe questionable but I mean it's summer oh ball I night. said it yeah summer ball man who cares like just wear it so then strike three happens like he strikes out swinging or whatever and he says something and and uh no, exact nothing. words he said you
1: can't call that a strike when the pitcher's this good is what he actually said <laughs> zelinski <not>,
2: Z- <laughs> yeah it sounds right but anyways you can't that's not a thing you can say you can't say that you can't call that a strike the pitcher's is this good anyways so brent tells him where the pitch was no big deal we'll move on so nothing is said you know the inning ends I think it's ground ball whatever brent walks up the line to his spot uh in between things. and I could, and I'm, and I'm kind of running back to my position, and, and I can tell that Brent's still, still fired up about this, about what happened here. So, as I'm running to my position, I see Brent turn around and just fires a guy out. And I'm just like, what? Michael happened? Zinter. I just googled it. Michael Zinter. There you go, Michael Zinter. So, what happened was the third base coach had come down from uh, Regina, who's, I mean, I don't like to be a, a dink on this, but he's a freaking nozzle anyway he comes down and he starts arguing that brent can't talk to the players and that it was a bad call and all this stuff and and i could tell brent was fired up and i just seen him throw him right out bingo him and, and then the guy said, what did he what did he say to you even
1: he goes he says you're fucking soft and i said <laughs> fuck you you're still fucking done get the fuck out of here you little prick. so as
2: soon as i seen that go down i started walking down towards home plate and they were kind of in, in each other's face but not really and then the the head coach from Regina Jason out. Jason come out.
1: and What yeah, what happened? Right. Yeah, yeah, And
2: finally, it settled down. The guy left, and, and uh, we're standing there. And I, I didn't say anything to Brent right away, because I knew he was fired right up. So I just said, you good? And he goes, yep. And I walked back out to my position. And a couple innings later, I go down, and I said, I told you it was going to happen tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh,
1: I I might have been a little quick on that one, but I got it out of the way. And I had one two nights later as well. Yeah, it was a Wednesday night in, in Manhattan, and I had another one on Friday night. Yeah. In, in in uh in here in lethbridge with wayburn yeah jesus christ and the thing about throwing guys out matt is that it kind of puts a shitty thing into the game because everybody's revved up afterwards and yeah. during and everything I I, I I don't like it i mean I, yeah like the one i was i was a little quick on but in my defense if i didn't do something they're going to be all game long
2: that's right <laughs> and, and you know we talk about game management and we talk about ejections on these car rides because those are things that make the game put it in a negative light and for me you know we we talk at length in on these car rides and especially brent and i and, and some other guys about keeping guys in games keep guys because, in game. because we think that if we keep the guys in games you know as bad as it gets it's never going to get to that point but in defense of, of umpires around the world we have to have some kind of game management and and you know I'm I'm not disagreeing with your objection on that too I just think it was funny but you know, like you said, if you didn't do anything about it there, we were you were gonna probably hear about it also. all night
1: long, yeah. So, Michael Zinter you know. and what was funny was he that Zinter kid went 0 for four that night he can't he can't he can't hit. And then yeah. we, when we were driving back to the hat, I think Olberg had a game in Brooks that night and he goes, What's that guy? What's that fucker's name he said? And I said <laughs> Michael Zinter goes, he's going 0 for five tomorrow night I'm sure shit he did. Hey, eh? it, it wasn't because umpires were shitty or being assholes, it's because the kid couldn't hit. Yeah, that definitely. that's the biggest thing. Zinter just couldn't hit and it was funny. Michael Zinter, if you listen to this, I think you're a great kid. You have great hair, but you just you maybe you should, you should take up you, umpire. Had
2: tough, you had a tough week and you had a tough week of summer. You, there, you had
1: a tough week in Southern Alberta. There's no getting around that. Uh Matt, this was great to have you on the show talking some uh Southern Alberta baseball, your baseball, your experience, how it how it uh, can how uh, becoming an umpire for, for the, the transition from player to umpire, how it worked for you. Uh, what is some advice you would give? To a player right now who's maybe thinking about, you know, maybe I'm not going to be a major leaguer. Maybe my my college days, once it's done, how I can stay in the game, not be a coach instead. What's some advice you would give for a player to become an umpire?
2: For me, uh, know the rules. Number one, get into the rule book if you want to do it uh, at a high level. Number two, be confident. You know, you played, you know what's going on. Uh, for me, I think the biggest reason I don't have an ejection yet is, is just my presence out there. You know, whether I know the rules or not. Uh, and number three, um, get the uniform. Make sure you have the right uniform.
1: Look, look, look the part. I, that, that is so huge to look the part. You can go out there confident, walk in the strut, and everything else, and, and that's and that's half the battle. Look the part, and the rest is smoke and mirrors because the, the game will take care of itself if you let it. Like in general, if you know the rule book, the game will take care of itself. A, a close call here, a close call there. Co- coaches, I, I don't think they care a whole bunch when it comes to that. But if you if you don't look the part and you
2: don't know the rule book, you're in for a heap of trouble. Big time, yeah. yeah. And like I said, you know, you've won the game if you walk on there looking like you know what you're doing and looking the part. You know, that's half the battle. And and we've talked about it, like I said, at length. And if we if if we look like we know what we're doing the chances of us having a rebuttal is low unless you really, really fuck something up. So, (laughs) (laughs) and those,
1: those hopefully are few and far between. If you come to Sun, Alberta Empire Association clinic anyways, Matt, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate it very much. Hey blue appreciates it. We're, we're growing the show. Lots of people throughout the United States. Listen to this, uh, take from whatever we've said tonight, uh, and go out to your local associations and make it work because umpiring we're, we're a dying breed but shows like this I think can help with any knowledge that we can give to, to, to younger people and older people like older people make mistakes too and sometimes older people make more mistakes because they think they're doing it right it doesn't matter how if you've been doing it for a long time you might have been doing it wrong for a long time and that's something that we're trying to, to get away from here in Southern Alberta I'm sure that's that's a problem throughout throughout North America Matt any
2: closing remarks? No, thanks for having me. I think this is a fantastic idea. And if you're in Southern Alberta and you want to learn a little more, every second Saturday, let us know on Facebook.
1: Every second Saturday, we'll, we'll get you guys out there. We'll start teaching some stuff. We're going to move indoors because the snow is eventually going to start flying here. It hasn't yet here, but we uh, it, it, it comes every year. Anyways, Matt. Thank you very much for being on, uh, on Hey Blue, the umpire show, by an umpire, for umpires, wherever it it's supposed to be worded. I, I might have to take care of all that stuff when it's all said and done. Thank you very much. And remember, everybody, smart people fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name and we're still here.